welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast. Um, it's been a while, obviously. You guys are probably wondering where I've been, and I've kind of been wondering that myself. I don't understand how July went by in a blink of an eye, but it did. So here we are at the end of July as this uh, podcast goes live, and we kind of took a, a multi-week hiatus there. Um, I hated to be one of those podcasters. I always, you know, always kind of griped and complained that podcasters that uh, that kind of went away or started to pod fade and what was going on there and now I see that I've kind of become one of those myself but going to try to get back into it obviously can't make any promises with this summer as I'm sure many of you are having such a super active summer all the stuff that's going on you know between uh, all the farm work and the fact the world's ending it's uh, it's been quite hectic and and required us to do a lot of things <laughs> so uh We'll uh, obviously try to get some new interviews going and get some podcasts out, uh, but uh, I I pray you bear with me, and and hopefully we can keep some stuff going. Well, yeah, a lot of updates. I may do uh, another podcast just kind of updating what's going on here, how our... Uh, we've processed our pigs and, and how that endeavor went. And uh, as those of you guys know that followed the podcast, we started with uh, some new genetics this year from Six Oak Farms down in uh, South Carolina, David Crafton's place. So uh, you'll we'll probably do a podcast discussing all that and some other things that have just popped up that I think would be uh, useful to, to talk about in the pastured pig world when it comes to what's going on here at our farm. But uh, for the interview today, it's actually a, uh, it's not a repeat podcast, it's a repeat guest. Uh, we've had Carl Blake on here before, and we're, we're getting him back on. Just wanted to talk to him. He kind of keeps his finger on the pulse of what's going on with pastured piggery from, the, from a national perspective. And of course, he's got a lot of his own development stuff going on. I know he had some new products and things he's rolling out. So I just wanted to talk to him about that and just get his perspective on how COVID-19 has affected the pastured pig market. So um, uh, Carl brings the insight that he brings and appreciate him taking the time to uh, talk with me. So we'll, so we'll jump right into that interview now. So it's been, as we were talking about before we started recording, it's been a year since you and I have sat down and talked, almost a year to the date, uh, minus 10 days. So uh, I'm sure a lot has transpired. There's, there's, there's one or two things that have happened in the world since then. So from your perspective, let's start personally with Carl Blake. What, what's going on with, with all the stuff that you have going on with your the hot box, the fodder system, your farm, uh, you have some of the uh, PR work you've been doing for the industry? Uh, kind of give us a 40,000-foot elevation of what's happened the last you bet. Well, um, well, it's really kind of neat because uh, that you came, uh, you decided to have this podcast again a year later because um, I think one of the neat things we've done is, uh, well, we brought all these things together. We've been working on them for the last, you know, ten or fifteen years. Are now now starting to come together, and we're starting to see a lot of progress. And I'm I'm really excited. Uh, we're getting ready to release a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of neat things, new products and uh, new opportunities and, and some really cool things for pig farmers out there. Uh, what we've done is uh, uh, we've really tried hard um, from our perspective to 
give pig farmers as many tools as they can to try to make a profit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so some of these elements, this uh, value added or even post production types things, uh, I know we talked about a little bit last year, but give us a real quick uh, rundown of, of what the hot box is and then let's segue over into your fodder system. Okay. Uh, all right. What's happened is that uh, you want me to talk about the hot, uh, the hot box first? Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, well, what we've done with our hot box, uh, we've actually. Um, we've got some really new exciting developments as far as that's concerned. The hot box is, uh, is that noise on your end or mine? Sorry, yeah, that was me. I thought I was muted. <laughs> okay. Well, one of the neat things about our hot boxes, we're coming out with um, our hot box revision number two. This is basically version 2.0. And uh, the new hot box uh, is designed with the, uh, the new marketing materials that we allow you to put your graphics on. Um, we've got some really cool stuff that allows us to actually make the images look 3D and they actually look like they're coming out of the wood. Um, and, and to top that off, we're actually, we have designed the box so that you don't have to actually take the pig out of the box to flip it over. It actually is done with a hand crank on the backside and the pig can be flipped inside the box without having to lift it up or do any taking a pig out or doing anything with it. Um, we've also included uh, two chicken rotisseries on the inside as well. So if you wanted to just roast, you know, like 10 or 20 chickens, you can actually do uh, chickens on the inside of the box. Um, we've got a lot of requests for that. Uh, some of our uh, guys out there wanted to be able to do a lot of chickens. Well, we have rotisseries that go on the top, um, and you can put up to 25 pounds on each rotisserie. Uh, but they wanted to have more, so we actually um, we have two four-foot rotisseries inside of the box now, so you can fit a lot of chickens on there. And it actually does a reverse cook on the chicken. Instead of being on top of the heat, it's underneath the heat. And uh, it, it just broils them, just like they would at, uh, you know, you see these standard roasters. Well, that's basically what it's doing, but it's inside the box. Um, so... Uh, it makes it a little bit easier for those who want to cater events that, you know, if you don't want to have to lift the pig in and out of the box, it actually can allow you to do that um, by hand. And uh, the box is designed a little bit differently uh, in that it's round instead of square. Hmm. So but you don't see that on the outside because we've kind of disguised that. We actually have our, uh, our, our marketing uh, panels that go on the sides are square, and it, it hides the, uh, the round box. But uh, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing upgrade and and I think a lot of the uh, the chefs and uh, others out there that are um, trying to do larger events they can they'll be able to use our, our new hot box in, in a variety of ways. Yeah, no, that sounds great. So so is uh, hot box 2.0 now in production and, and available, or is that something that's rolling out later this year? Well, the the uh, version 2.0 is actually um, available. Um, it'll be available in two weeks uh, to order. Uh, we have them. We, we have the prototypes done, and we've done all our testing. And now all we're doing is uh, we're, we're taking orders for them, and uh, they can ship in four to six weeks. Yeah, awesome. All right. they're, they're a little bit more difficult to make because of it's all round stainless steel. Yeah. Um, and but but the neat thing is it gives us the ability to do so much more with it in terms of making it easier to use for the end user. And that's really what we're trying to do. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, and, and again, I can refer back in our show notes to uh, last year's podcast, but but you know, those not familiar with the hot box, if you haven't heard that interview, uh, really, I, I think the key takeaway, and, and add to this, Carl, or correct me if I'm wrong, but the real key takeaway is it's making these pig roasts, these, these food prep opportunities be more cost effective because it greatly reduces the amount of time cooking. So instead of burning an entire day or even a weekend, you can do things a lot quicker with this um, with, with this technology, with this food prep. Is that correct? Absolutely. The, the, the claim to fame here is that we can do a 100-pound pig in four hours. Yeah. <laughs> that is key. If you go to a conventional system and it takes you 14 to 16 hours to roast that pig, and then it has another eight hours of prep time before and after, um, you can't make any money at that. We are specifically going out there to try to help farmers make money with a hot box. They can make money easily by selling the pig at $5.25 a pound. So they get a 100-pound pig. The pig costs 525 bucks for the event. You want to roast the pig. You want them to roast it for you, and you charge them specifically $4.50 or $5 a pound to, to actually roast that pig for them. Well, this allows you to make money. You can make money on every single event because you don't have 25 or 30 hours wrapped up in it. You have a total of six hours from the time you pick the pig up, get to your event, light the pig on fire, serve the pig, and walk out. You've got six hours wrapped up into it. You can make anywhere from 100 to 150 to $200 an hour. Yeah, that's a huge, um, that's a huge order. And that's, that's a big deal. <laughs> now, now, imagine, now just let's take this one step further. Imagine the fact that you raised the pigs and you had three coal pigs that you had because they weren't going to grow. They had a belly buster. They, you know, uh, they got beat up and, you know, their ears aren't right or something. They're not growing as fast. We actually allow you to take those coal pigs that you would normally give away or kill or whatever. Um, we actually give you the ability to make $5.25 a pound on those pigs because now you can stick them in your roaster and you can roast them. You are, you are now making $5.25 a pound for a pig you couldn't get a nickel for before. Right, exactly. So yeah. it, it helps you on your farm and it helps our pig farmers uh, you know, make, uh, make a production and make a profit. That's great. Well, uh, Carl, what about what about uh, anybody listening to this saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm new into pigs." Obviously, there's a lot of people getting into pigs this year, but they're new and they they like this idea, but they they don't know anything about a prepping a pig for roasting. As far as you know, how do I get it butchered and gutted? Can I do that myself? Do I have to take it somewhere? And B, how do I know how to operate the hot box? What type of training do you guys do on that front end? Well, we um, we actually offer two different two different options on the training side of things. We have uh, we do training at least two, maybe sometimes three times a year where people actually come to our facilities here. And that's another thing we got to talk about is our brand new uh, facilities we just got in the last two weeks. Um, when we bring people here to our facilities, we uh, you get a full, uh, a full day of training on how to roast a pig, how to prep the pig. You actually get your hands on it and you put the, you put the pig in the box, you do all the roasting, and you learn how to do an event. You learn the entire business of pig roasting, and we charge 165 bucks for an opportunity. And you come here. We have we have RV hookups. We have uh, motels here. We have place to put up a tent. We have lots of lots of options. And, and uh, we've had people from um, as far away as Italy, Canada, Mexico, um, and all over the United States come to our classes. So 
Um, they've been very popular, and uh, we also offer another option, which is we have a booklet that, um, that if you simply text me uh, or uh, find our page and, and text me there, I can send you a copy of our a PDF file of our booklet that tells, explains hog roasting 101 from beginning to end. And then after the fact, after you purchase an American hot box, we actually go out there and uh, I answer the phone. You say, I got a pig roast on Saturday. It's my first one. Can you help me? Sure. I walk you through every step of the way to make your first hog roast be as successful as it can be. And out of the hundreds and hundreds of roasts, we've never had one fail. So generally speaking, they're just huge successes, and and uh, people really, really, um, they go ahead and, I mean, I've had several that are doing hog roasts almost every weekend. Um, we've got one client who has two hot boxes, and she does pig roasts. Um, every single weekend, she has pig roasts and weddings. She makes over 150000 a year just doing pig roasts and, <laughs> and, and catering them. That's amazing. So, yeah. So re- remind everybody where here is. Yeah, you're in the Midwest, correct? Oh, I, I'm located in uh, Elton, Missouri. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. We're right down here next to the Lake of the Ozarks, and uh, we're about four miles away. And uh, we have a really beautiful facility here. Um, we purchased a new farm, a new uh, 75-acre farm, and we have a huge lake on it. And uh, we have facilities for RVs. We have our pigs there. We have our, uh, we're actually building fodder systems there. We're building hot boxes and we're doing, you know, lots of manufacturing and stuff. So there's a lot of neat things to see. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it definitely sounds like it'd be a good trip. So let's, let's segue there. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the fodder system. So what's, what's changed in the fodder system in the last year? Well, some interesting things coming down the pike on the fodder systems. One of the big deals about fodder is uh, that it's more nutritious for animals. And it will, actually, what is fodder? Fodder is the ability for us to grow barley and wheat from seed to a feed of about 6 to 12 inches tall. And we do this on a daily basis. It's on a, it's on a rotating seven-day schedule. It takes us seven days to get this from seed to feed the proper height and the weight and, and all that kind of stuff. So what we do is we actually grow it in a chamber, and we manufacture these chambers. So we've come up with uh, the various size chambers that we have. We have one that produces 25 pounds a day for the small people that just want to grow fodder in their basement or their garage or, you know, in their back, back room or wherever. It's a small unit that only produces 25 pounds a day, but it's great for them to want to do chickens and they do a few rabbits and you know, they have a couple of goats. It's enough feed to be able to feed those animals on a daily basis. We have a 150-pound unit. It's called the Grow Cube 150, and uh, uh, that's just t- totally turned out to be amazing. Um, it's, it's enclosed in polycarbonate. Um, we reduce the prices on our products. Our products for fodder systems cost half or less than what all the other competitors out there are producing, and we guarantee ours to grow. We've also included some really neat uh, functionality in our grow systems now to combat um, mold and mildew. We've actually, uh, through my work developing uh, ultraviolet light systems, we're actually using UVC in all of our boxes. Um, we've designed a filtration system that allows you to see that allows you to, to uh, clean your seed before you put it in the box. 
all of our competitors, everyone was always taking the approach that we need to eliminate all the mildew in our fodder systems by putting things inside the fodder box. Um, well, one of the things I've done is I, I pioneered utilizing hydrogen peroxide instead of bleach. And bleach is horrible for humans, animals, plants, everything. But hydrogen peroxide is actually a really, um, I mean, it occurs naturally in the body. So hydrogen peroxide has, has been a good solution. However, it wasn't the end all to be all. And so what I've done is I did a lot of more research and I decided to look at it differently. And we did that by looking at the fodder systems uh, as being uh, eliminating the mold before we even put it in the box. How do we do that? Well, one of the things we did was we developed a centrifugal uh, system that takes all the mycotoxins, the cytotoxins, the aspergillus spores, all that kind of stuff, knocks them off the seeds, cleans them up, and then separates the bad germinating seeds from the good germinating seeds, and then removes any of the impurities like uh, like uh, corn or soybean seeds or pellets. A lot of your farmers out there, a lot of your uh, mills out there are trying to make uh, they, they, they'll sell you uh, seed, like barley seed, for feed, um, and they don't guarantee the germination, and it's got a bunch of junk mixed into it. Well, our filtration system allows you to buy that seed at a lower cost to run it through our system and totally cleans it up, and now it's, it's uh, mold-free, and you can put it in your fodder system, grow it in your fodder system in a seven-day cycle and never see mold ever. Yeah. So we've, we've done some really neat things. Uh, the actual fodder box itself has an, an ultraviolet light system built into it, right into the plenum system, which is we've designed the plenum system that works with our air conditioning and heating system, so it cools and heats it properly. But at the beginning and the end of our system are ultraviolet lights. We've designed special boxes that don't allow the ultraviolet light to come in and burn your eyes or you know touch your skin or anything like that. But it kills all the mold running through the air all of the spores, all of the bacterium, any of that stuff that's floating around in the air being recirculated back inside the box, we're killing it before and after uh, the filtration system. So this allows you to grow 100% fodder, clean as a whistle every day of the week. And uh, so we've, we've got some really neat and interesting boxes out there. We've got the 150. We have a 500-pound-a-day box. We have a 1,000-pound-a-day box. And then we also do a 2,000-pound-a-day box. Yeah, wow. and uh, they're all fully automated except for the seed and the feed portion of it. Um, and uh, all you do is it takes you an extra five minutes a day. You go in and you seed it. You pull the feed out. You put the seed in and you shut the door and walk away. The next day you come out, take the uh, seed out or feed out, and then put the seed in. Just one day into the next, you don't have hundreds of hours wrapped up in cleaning it up and cleaning the mold and mildew out and power washing it every day and um, you just don't have those issues with our fodder systems. Yeah, that I mean, that sounds incredible. Now, am I mistaken? Did I see that these units are completely self-contained, but some of them are even on rolling chassis, correct? Uh, yes, we actually have some. We have our mobile unit. That's, um, we have a mobile unit that uh, you can hook up and pull behind you. Uh, and a lot of uh, horse people like those. And, I mean, there's just a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of good use for the for the trailer because you can actually take it out to a, a field and hook up water and power to it. And you know, we're working on a solar version um, so that it can be run outside with with um, no backup or anything. 
uh, as far as uh, no power. We've had we've had people that are off the grid and uh, they like something like that. So we're working on a lot of different versions of the system as we go. And one of what allows us to, to do really good things is the mobile unit. Yeah. Oh, so, I, yeah. I bet. I mean, the, the whole self-contained element, and then, and then mobile. At least being able to move it around, especially with a pastured opera- operation, you may discover right. you want uh, want to be in different spots there. Well, that's actually we, we are working on a uh, on a fully automated system that actually does the seating and feeding for you. Um, and we will have something to show. It's going to be another six or eight months before that's actually available. But we have a prototype. Um, that's actually functioning right now, but we haven't finished it. Um, I only bring it up because uh, people often ask me, hey, so do you have anything automated? And and yes, yes, we will have a fully automated system that's going to blow all the other ones. There's, there's two or three of them out there on the market, but they're you know two hundred dollars to $500,000. Um, we're bringing it back down to reality, and we're going to – the neat thing is that we actually combine current technology from today – with Mennonite technology from the 1800s. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny is that the dichotomy of uh, between what we do and, and how things work, uh, the dichotomy of working with Mennonites is really kind of neat because uh, I took a picture one day of my steel, my stainless steel coming in from one of the factories that's eight miles away. They had four horses hooked up to a flatbed trailer, and, they, and a guy was standing up, uh, in the in the back with the horse reins in his hands and he brought in a ton of uh stainless steel for us to build our uh, fodder boxes and our <laughs> and our american hot boxes and they brought it in with a horse i i just can't imagine that uh, you know anyone could really understand the the uh the dichotomy there but the thing is, is that it really really has helped us develop better systems Awesome. I I'm I've always been the guy in the computer systems my whole life. That's all I've ever done is some high end computer stuff, and, and it was so cool when I told I, I just said, guys, we can't go out and make these computer systems uh, work for people because people want to change them and they touch them and they mess them up. And I said we have to develop an analog system that runs and controls our American fodder box without a computer intervention or the ability for a customer to go in and fiddle fart around with it. Well, we did that. We've actually designed and built all of our fodder systems are all completely analog. And we do have the ability, though, to send emails and things like that when there's errors and stuff. But the interesting thing is we were able to set our system up and make it completely analog so that it's reliable. It runs 100% of 100% of every day doesn't just shut off in the middle of the day because the computer crashed. It doesn't, all the, 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 the water doesn't work anymore because it, the computer stopped talking to the sensor on, on the solenoids. And, you know, there's all these problems. I, you know, we utilize the Mennonite principle of keep it simple. And, and uh, it really turned out amazing. Our, our boxes, you just turn them on and add water, uh, plug in the water, turn down the power, and walk away from it. And it's doing its thing. Wow. So uh, I'm very excited about the new offerings that we have this year. And we'll actually have those updated on our website at www.americanfodderbox.com. Yeah, excellent. So, yeah, I mean, my goodness, it sounds like there's some, some really good advancements going on there. I can understand why you'd be excited about all that. 
All right. Well, let's uh, if we could let's let's segue over to uh, you know something else. You know, if, if if you don't have enough to do already, you're also uh, co-managing and, and overseeing the uh, the Facebook group that I think many of us have found extremely helpful, and that's the Pastured Pig. Uh, pastured pigs for their health and happiness, which used to be pastured pigs for meat and profit, but we know what happened there with uh, some of the Facebook police uh, cranking down on uh, on how we were doing uh, doing things yeah. there. But uh, tell me a little bit about that group. Why why do you think that's uh, such an asset and so important for us to to network like that? Well, the group that we have, um, I started that group and split it off of pastured pigs because there was so much infighting and there was so much, um, so many, uh, issues going on that we couldn't really focus on, uh, on what I thought was important. And to me, the uh, focus was on, uh, pastoring pigs for meat and profit, which was, you know, I want to make money with it. We have to be able to put that on a farm, not just, I wanted to make a better pig. That's why I created the Iowa Swabian Hall was to make a better pig to eat. But, then it came down to, well, we need to make not only make a better pig to eat, but we also have to figure out a way to make meat and profit. And, and they, they have to go together. It has to be good meat in order to make a decent profit. Well, uh, the Facebook things started happening, and they started deleting groups and everything else, and we changed our name so we didn't come up on the radar to pastoring pigs for health and happiness. Um, it was more tongue-in-cheek than anything, but... One of the things that we actually did is that I spent, you know, an in, inordinate amount of hours, and Courtney will slap me over the head and tell people this, but um, the thing is is that I spent, you know, 24 hours a day answering questions for people with pigs. And uh, that's how the group started. And we quickly had, we had 1,500 people in three days. And then quickly um, we, we've gone up to 10,000 users now. And uh, the group is there to help uh, anybody with pigs. We, we want to help them all. Um, we try to give them direction. When they ask us, you know, do we use these pigs, do we use that pigs? Well, there's a lot of variation out there, but we try to keep it, um, we try to keep it towards making money and making a profit because that's the only way you're going to be able to stay there next year. Um, I don't mind helping the people that want to, you know, raise pigs for their own use. They, they, get, they can all participate in the group. Uh, but we're really trying to help them manage and make a profit at it so that we could raise more pasture pig people out there throughout the United States to, to help our local economies. And uh, that's really what the, the goal of our group has been, is to really reach out and try to make sure those people can make a profit and show them the kind of pigs that can make a profit and then try to help them solve their biosecurity issues and health issues and and, uh, you know, there's just so many different things uh, that, that our group um, approaches. We have so many really good people that are just phenomenal at answering questions. They know they know the health thing is cold. They know the, uh, I mean, just about anything that's to do with pigs. Our people in our group are really, really well suited to be able to uh, give extremely good answers. And in many cases, um, our answers, like two weeks ago, um, we actually identified the problems with the pigs, and, and they took the pigs into the vet, and the vet said, no, that's not what they have, and the vet said, here, this is what they've got, treated them for the wrong thing, the pigs died, so they did a post, came back and said that, yeah, we were exactly right, we knew, we knew what we were talking about, and the pigs were dying from it, and they treated them as we had mentioned, and magically, the pigs survived. 
So I'm not saying that all vets are bad. I'm just saying that there's a lot of vets out there that don't know anything about pigs and no longer because due to the fact that the veterinarians are being co-opted into the, you know, the big pig cafe arenas and they never see pasture pigs. So a lot of the diseases they never see, um, they couldn't identify it if it hit them in the head. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, that's one of the things that we do is we really try to put a good eye to it. It's really hard to try to, um, uh, to you know, uh, recommend a solution for a pig you're only seeing a picture of or a short video of. And, I mean, it's really hard to armchair, you know, what do you call that? Armchair uh, quarterback. Armchair yeah. quarterback. Right, yeah. Um, Especially it's the... really hard to do that and be right every time. Why, you know, the expectation sometimes is, is more than we can handle. But, you know, we really try hard to be able to help people solve their problems and, you know, give them good solutions to the problems. I mean, uh, some of the things that we're making for the group, um, I make a de-herring tool. Um, we manufacture a de-herring tool, and we are now also manufacturing a special castration tool, which is a special tool that you, know, you can hang it on a fence, you can hang it on a bar, you can hang it on a box, and uh, you can drop a piglet in there, and you can castrate a piglet in, in under 30 seconds. Hmm. And uh, it's, it's really works. One person can do it. Uh, it's very simple. And uh, it doesn't cost a lot of money, and it's, it's a good solution. So we actually manufacture those things right here um, for our group members, and we always offer it to them first. Um, we have some really cool stuff coming out where we, we have a, a special toolbox. It's got, you know, you can, have it, you can even have your name and logo on it, just like our American Hot Box. But the special toolbox will be available that will have all of your med kit, your entire med kit in there, including your iodine, your, your blue coat, your syringes, um, ear nippers, ear notchers, uh, it has uh, all the, the syringe, gun syringe, all these things are actually in the box and um, it has a complete castration tool and de-hearing system right there on the box. So you'll be able to get those things that, you know, first-time pig users always ask, hey, what do I get in my med kit? Well, you don't even need to worry about that. You can just push a button, you can order a complete med kit from us and it'll show up at your doorstep and it has everything in it. And... You can put your farm logo on the side of it, so you can push it around the farm and uh, and uh, be set up to do you know anything you need to do for meds. I mean, you can use it for your goats and your pigs and your cows and horses and everything. It'll have a complete med system built right into it. Yeah, very good. And then also on the group, too, you're doing some, some things digitally, uh, helping uh, build directories and, and listservs and those type of things, correct? Oh, yeah. I, I forget to even mention that. Our group was one of the only groups out there that has a mentoring program. Um, we have a mentoring program, and we actually take new people and sign them up with some of the old, older folks that have been doing it a while that have agreed to be mentors, and then we patch them in, and and uh, and we've had a lot of a lot of reviews from that. Um, but we also do. Um, uh, I'm doing a. We have a special group on the side that I developed that allows us to do sales and marketing and things that others can't get into and, and we, we allow the pick people to get in there so we can you know better get better access to uh known breeders uh known people that have kind of breed stock that we know are you know there's so many people out there right now that are doing things that uh they're just crooks they're absolute crooks they're out there selling pigs that are mangy and they're raised on trash and uh you know i mean their bloodlines are all suspect and I mean, we're, it's just a nasty mess out there for a lot of people. 
and uh, um, so we try to you know we try to help guide people around those things around those landmines and and uh, introduce them to people that can get them good breed stock in their area and uh, we do have that in the database. Yeah, excellent. So, yeah, I think that's uh, the the uh, just the value added to that group. Obviously, like you said, the the sharing of information and the sharing of expertise, but then also these um, these additional elements that you've added that just really help uh, farmers be successful at whatever level they're trying to achieve. Absolutely. You're absolutely spot on. Well, cool. Well, let's. Uh, you've mentioned some things there that I that I really want to get down to the meat, meat of the conversation and talk about and get your thoughts on it. So, obviously, in the last uh, several months, uh, the world's been turned upside down with uh, COVID nineteen and and other issues. But as it pertains to um, pastured pigs, what are you seeing from your perspective? What's going on with the pastured pig industry uh, as it's aligning with uh, COVID nineteen and some of the ramifications of that? Well, some of the biggest problems that occurred uh, are, are, are the processing problems. Um, uh, number one, uh, number two, I've, it, it's the confinement pigs that are being given to or passed out or purchased by pasture pigs people thinking they're getting a deal when in fact they're just buying somebody else's health problems. Um, those are probably the two biggest things. Um, right now, we can really get a lot of uh, you can get a lot of sales out there. I know lots of people are getting you know four or five hundred percent more in sales than they did the same time last year. So, but the problem is, if you can't get that pork chop turned into a pork that pig turned into a pork chop, um, you're pretty much stuck. <laughs> Unless, of course, you can kill it on farm and you can sell them locally. Which I mean, I predicted there'd be a black market at some point, and that black market would be, you know, guys taking buying pigs from farmers and the farmer uh, hanging the pig up and processing the pig right there on the spot, just handing you your primal cuts and you get to take it home. Uh, I, I foresee a lot of that going to be happening uh, when we have to resort to the fact that there isn't any processing plants. Um, we are actually looking at, uh, I've been helping and assisting others with trying to build the portable tr- uh, processing plants and, uh, and modular processing plants. We're actually looking at putting one up ourselves just for us to be able to sell our pork and make sure that we can get it into pork chops at all times. Um, you know, guys like Walter Jeffries, I mean, he's got his own USDA plant. The rock on, dude. That's yeah. how you do it. Right. You know, you raise the pigs, you process them, you do them right there on your farm, be damn with everyone else. You're going to make money whether they like it or not. And that's, you know, I give, I give Greg Gunthorpe and I give Walter Jeffries, I mean, huge thumbs up. For busting their ass and getting out there and making that kind of a, you know, making their own processing plants. I mean, it's, it's that's that's badass. And uh, I mean, that's what, what's going to be. You know, look at a year from now. Where are we going to be? And I keep looking at trying to think. You know, right now, if you're raising a bunch of pigs and it's going to take six, seven, eight months to get them up to speed, um, I think you're going to be looking at having pigs right at the sweet spot where you're going to get you probably get double or triple the price for your pigs. Um, and, you know, by this time next year, there's going to be a whole slew of brand new processing facilities all across the country. So I believe that that will, that will lighten up a little bit as long as uh, like guys like JBS and Tyson don't try to, you know, stuff their pigs down the throat of our, our local processors. Uh, I, I foresee that as being something that, uh, you know, that's going to lighten up for us. But I do believe you're going to get a better price for your pork. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's in- interesting. So, 
yeah, it, what what I've seen uh, just on the uh, on the Facebook group, people sharing, uh, they're either sold out of all their cuts or they've already got their deposits taken on their next processing run. I mean, even yeah. even where we are, you know, the small operation that we have on our farm, uh, you know, interest immediately. I mean, I've I've barely had to lift a finger to even tell people that I have pork available, and it's it's been it's been moving really well. Uh, the issue, like you said, the flip side of that, and here in West Virginia, our agriculture commissioner invited a lot of the large Midwest producers to bring their livestock into West Virginia. So it has tied up a lot of our, our smaller uh, state inspected processors. They're just, they're booked. Some are booked all the way out to February of 2021. So it's, it's been a little bit of an issue there, but yeah, I I think uh, in the grand scheme of things, the pastured pig market is uh, those of us that have our own stock that, that have a good line on, on genetics, are going to be in good shape. Now you'd mentioned something about the CAFO pigs and, and that's what I see constantly. If man, if, if you just flip through Facebook, you see people constantly showing a picture of a, of a pink pig out in their pasture. That's uh, that's got an issue. Hey, this pig's doing this or it's, it's eyes are running or it's coughing or it's wheezing. So you mentioned that that's We're getting hundreds of those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so what's your opinion on that? Is that, is that just absolutely taboo? Stay completely away from it. You don't even want to mess with that. Or is that just too much of a challenge to take on? Well, I, I guess you, you've got two schools of thought. You'll get, if you watch it and say, hey, I just bought these pigs, now what's going to happen? And, and then you'll get like 40 or 50 answers, and half of them will be like, well, well, actually, I mean, two or three of them will be like, well, I bought them, and uh, I raised them with no problem. And uh, then you get the other to say, oh, my God, I raised, I got those pigs, and three days later I had half of them die, and by the end of the next week I, I had 12, and now I got three. And uh, I can't keep these three alive. They're they're coughing and they're falling down and you know they're walking drunk and you know they're doing all these things. And it's like, well, yeah, what do you do? And and, and it's my I'm of the opinion that nobody should be buying a confinement pig. Those genetics just aren't made to be raised outside or you know uh, raised in the kind of environment on a dirt lot. They're just not. They can't get enough immunities in their system to not die from something. Else. Buying the CAFO pigs because a, they're they're new or they just don't know any better, so they're new to it. And unfortunately, right. this is going to be their first experience with trying to raise pigs on pasture. And say, well, I can't do this. I fail at this. I suck at this. Or this isn't doable. That you know, all these other guys and, is some sort of voodoo. So they they throw their hands in the air and, and obviously give pasture piggery a bad name. Absolutely, that is such a great point. Because when these new people get those pigs and they come on, hey, I just got new pigs, and here, look at them, and they show a picture of them, and everybody has a big sigh. You can feel the entire group have a heavy <laughs> sigh, right. and you actually can hear it. And, yeah. and, and then, you know, from then on, so, you know, you, you made the exact point. I, I, I didn't think to bring that up, but that is absolutely true, right? So they're right to the core. So, I mean, I'm just, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an issue. Definitely an issue. All right. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, I really, uh, I thank you for uh, doing the, uh, doing these uh, podcasts. I, I believe that they're, they're useful to a lot of people, and I, I think that I don't know how many people will listen to them, but uh, um, I, I know that we can help try to increase your, your listenership because I do believe you're putting out, um, uh, you're, you're, you know, you've got a lot of thoughtful questions and things today, and I think that, you know, I think. You're right in the vein of it, so I think that's real good. good. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're we're trying. Obviously, our, our audience is very finite. We're we're very specific, but uh, 
I think it's something I've enjoyed. I've learned a tremendous amount. I mean, I, I've been doing pigs for seven years now, but I can still still consider myself a, 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 a novice at it and just learn so much listening to other people and talking to them. But, no, I'd appreciate, obviously, any help there. In fact, uh, you dropped two names there. I've been trying to get on the podcast and just haven't been able to figure it out, uh, work it out. But if you could help get Greg and Walt on for me, I'd, I'd love to do that because those are, those are the two guys I, I've had on my list for a while. So, uh, oh, I can sure I can. Yeah, I, I'm sure I can ask them both. I, I mean, I'm sure they do it if I ask them. Yeah, yeah. Walt, Walt, Walt says he's going to, but it just hadn't been able to find the time right. And, and, and oh, same, same with Greg as well. But, well, I, I know you got a lot going on. I wanted to talk to you about one more thing before we uh, before we sure. let you go. But so, uh, yeah, we've talked about uh, kind of what's happening with uh, with COVID, how it's affecting processing and those type of things. And you know, the Prime Act that's been laying around uh, in legislation for what five plus years now is come back and around. It looks like it's gone from having two sponsors when it was originally set to now. I think there's 20 plus or maybe even 30 now on it. What's your take on the Prime Act? Do you think it's going to uh, be enough? Is it a half measure or is it just uh, is it just legislative grandstanding? What, what's going to happen? Well, there? I, I think right now it's kind of a half measure. Um, I agree with Mike Calicrate. Um, you know, he had some really good ideas to add to it that uh, I thought were very useful, like for instance, having your veterinarians. I mean, we have a really a slug of uh, a point where there there aren't many veg, um, there aren't many vet, uh, veterinarians anymore. So what's happened is, um, you know, our pork and, and uh, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, the thing is, we don't have many many vets anymore. And he's talking about advocating having their veterinarian in their offices set up to do inspections and stuff. And uh, because they're educated, they have PhDs. Why can't they do it? Right. Yeah. Um, that and that would allow us to have more veterinarians located around the animals. Yeah, absolutely. So it makes a lot of sense. But Mike Calicrate, uh, he actually is the guy who holds all the patents on the mobile processing units. Uh, but he's also a really smart dude, and he's got his stuff together. And he owns a beef plant on Colorado. Um, but he's got a lot of good information on uh, Mike. Uh, it's MikeCalicrate.com. Uh, but he's he's uh, he really knows his stuff. He's good friends with uh, with Greg Gunthorpe and a lot of the other people in the in the processing industry. And uh, that's, I mean, he really knows what he's talking about. And I think he had some really good suggestions on the on the Prime Act. And I I believe we have to have something like that. Um, I I I don't. I think we need more USDA plants. I think we should eliminate all the state state uh, state plants and make them all USDA. Yeah. Uh, and just do away with uh, you know the two different kinds of processing. Why? Why is that? Why can I why can I process in Missouri, but when I go to sell it in in Illinois, I can't because Illinois says, well, you didn't process it. Well, you didn't inspect your meat well enough. Well, why the hell is that different across the United States? Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, but those things need to come together, and it needs to be under one roof, and it needs to be solved um, for our food whole, the whole entire food system. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you, you made a good point there, and that's something I run into. I have, you know, we're in West Virginia, and I have an incredible processor just literally across the Ohio River in Ohio, that state inspector for Ohio. And I've used them, but you know, really I'm not supposed to be because I'm bringing that meat back over, <laughs> and it's just absolutely right. ridiculous. You know, I, it takes me longer to get to my USDA facility in in West Virginia versus just crossing over the river. So, you know, I've obviously right. had to do that, had to stop doing that as my my production's grown. But it's just very frustrating because that 
that facility is five times cleaner and, and five times more organized than the USDA plant that, that I was going to. Absolutely. And you run into those situations all the time. Yeah. So. Well, I appreciate your input, Carl. Man, I really appreciate you taking the time to come talk to me again. Uh, I love hearing the updates you've yeah. got going on. Lo- love that you're a champion for, for pastured pig uh, operations and that you, you take the time to, to talk to anybody, um, either on the phone or online, when it comes to seeking advice. Uh, so uh, if we could uh, run down your, your list of ways that people can find out more about you and your products, you know, your websites, the, the systems that you have. You want to run down that list real quick? Sure. Um, you can always reach me uh, by texting me or you can call me at 573-375-1111. Um, our websites are www.americanhotbox.com. Uh, the other website is www.americanfodderbox.com. And we have a neat site called www.fodderflora.com. That's F-O-D-D-E-R-F-L-O-R-A.com. Those are some of our other products. Um, and uh, we uh, uh, you can, yeah, just reach us for any of those things, and, and then you'll be able to see online and get information. And we are actually updating all the websites right now as, as we speak before I got your call. Um, I was updating the websites, putting up the new products, and, the, and uh, lots more information. So Excellent. All right. Well, man, I, again, appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I hope you yeah. have a great rest of the week. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. You take care. All right. You too. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Well, I really appreciate Carl coming on the podcast, taking the time to meet with me. I know he's got a lot going on, but I appreciate him uh, taking an hour out of his day to uh, talk pig with me. Well, um, if you have anybody or any topics that that you think should be on the Pastured Pig Podcast, please, please, please uh, send me a note. Um, I would say the pond is running a little dry. But um, I'm trying to reach out and, and find specific people. Again, you don't have to be well-established. You don't have to be a big commercial operation. You can be a first-timer. It's just the opportunity to share experiences, uh, share knowledge, just and just share what you've run into. Uh, we're not looking for uh, expertise through every single conversation. We just want to have the opportunity to have a casual, relaxed conversation about pastured pigs. So, Feel free to, you can email me directly, Troy, at redtoolhouse.com, or you can visit our website, redtoolhouse.com forward slash pastured pig podcast, and there's a little link that you can use to submit a request to be on on a podcast. Well, I pray everyone have a great week and uh, hope to be back soon. All right, take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.